Thank you. Welcome to Schmears the Deal. I'm Nick Feynman here with Jake Seawalk. Jake, where are we today? We're at Bagel Boss. Bag- on, uh, are we in the East Village or are we in Stytown? I, we are in the East Village right on the outside of right Stytown. On the precipice of Stytown. Styrac, if you will. I get it. If you haven't you but haven't heard that. It's a pretty you're making like a Chirac joke? I get yeah, or, or an Iraq joke. Or which an Iraq. I think is the base. <laughs> Basically Stytown is a pretty tough place to live. Sorry the people I know that live there. Emma, Rebecca, sorry about that. Uh, we're like a block from your apartment, by the yeah, way. We're at, uh, Bo- Fifteen and one. Bagel Boss is pretty great. Pretty great. A really distinctly Jewish vibe in here right now. Absolutely. We've got a hamantaschen, <laughs> an apricot hamantaschen at our table. We we've got bagels. We've got coleslaw. We've got pickles. We've got coffee. It smells great. I have coleslaw. Did they, did they skimp your side? They s- no, they gave me pickles. Although, I, uh, um, if you listened last I week, you too. know that I don't particularly care for pickles. Um, there's Hebrew on the walls. The pizza sign. So this place is one thing that makes this place unique is that it is open 24-7. If you're feeling a late night bagel or you just want a normal bagel on a Sunday or on the weekend, this is a pretty good place for it. The vibe here I really like. There are people who have been posted up here for hours. We got people reading newspapers. Um, It feels like the people that are here are regulars. Patrons. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I talked, um, I talked to a very nice lady when I was setting up. She loves the soup. She doesn't even get the bagels here. What kind of soup? She was <laughs> she was eating a minestrone. What a world we live in, Nick. She loved it. She was she wouldn't <laughs> stop talking about it. Very nice lady. What kind of bagel are you eating? I am eating an everything bagel with scallion cream cheese oh and Oh my locks. goodness I, gracious. I stole I stole your order, man. It's pretty my mouth good. is very full right now. <laughs> and the bagel's very good. It's crisp. Not it's not as substantial as some of the other ones we've had, I would say. Sorry, I'm <laughs> Jake is Jake really is just chewing. He took I, a I took a bagel. I was like at the bagel. end of my bagel half. You know when you're like, you don't know if you're you at the end it? of your bagel and is it two bites? Is it one bite? I don't you know. You just went for it. I went for it. It was two bites. Would you say it was your loss on that, or it was a good bite? It was still. a great bite. So, what do you think of the bagel? I think it's. Uh, my, my definition of it, not definition, my description of it would be that it's really <laughs> solid. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's anything bad with it at all. I think everything is good. I just don't know if anything is amazing Amazing about it. Um, it's very good, though, I will say. It is, it is, it is very solid. But, but the baseline for a very good bagel in New York City, I guess it's so it is a standard New York, Here, New York City bagel. Here's, here's what I was thinking of over the course of the week. Please. It's a baseline... Uh, it's baseline what, rating baseline? for a bagel. Would you get it again? That's the real question. Is it good enough that it's worth you getting it again? Yes, but I would have to be in the area. Agreed. I live right here, so it's sort of a. It's easy I, for it's you. An easy walk. If, if I were in the area, I would get it again. If I weren't, I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't. Go, I think that's a very way, good way of describing it. It's a it's a bagel I would get again if I were in the area. I wouldn't go out of my way to get it. The thing about it, though, and this is the twenty four seven thing. You can come here late night. There are, not, there are very few big. I will say in that's New York. a beautiful idea. And New York City, for whatever reason, has not adopted the late night bagel. They're obsessed with the late night pizza, the late night fries, the late night hot dogs. If you live on the Lower East Side, it's all about that late night matzo ball soup at Katz's. <laughs> <laughs> at Katz's or at Vaselka also does it. But here, the thing Montreal in Montreal, that's like the big late night food. Everyone goes to bagels late night. I tried to go like early in the morning when I was there, and people questioned it. They were like, "What do you? What do you?" No, mean I'm a napkin, do you? <laughs> I do. Here you go. 
That's a huge napkin. <laughs> well, I mean, beggars can't be choosers <laughs> in this situation, Jacob. All right. Well, I used the used napkin. Congratulations. So let's move on to I. I want to. Jake and I were talking. He was at. You were at a bar or bat mitzvah this weekend. I was at my uh, my first cousin's bat mitzvah. He or she. Bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. Na- Natalie, Natalie Schuver. How, how, did, how did Natalie perform? She did a very admirable job on stage. She was she was very poised. Pronounce. She enunciated well. Enunciated. I don't. There you go. Is there a better way of saying that? Uh, she killed it. She killed it. She did a great job. It was a uh, it was a very good, very good service. It was a beautiful service. But you I, noticed something about. I witnessed a phenomena happen, Nicholas, a phenomena. So, I'm at this bat mitzvah party. It's Saturday night. I'm I'm a few shades to the wind, uh, on a few glasses of wine. <laughs> open man open bar at um, at a country club, and in St. Louis, right? In St. Louis, Missouri. At the Jewish Country Club. We're in the ballroom. All the kids are doing the whip and nay-nay, whatever's fresh no these way. days. So I'm, I'm very close to my 13-year-old cousin, Sam. And I was talking with him at the Friday night dinner about social media for middle schoolers. And he said, no one uses Facebook. No one downloads Facebook. Facebook, Facebook is, is dead? It's not dead. It's just that it's old. it will die and that it's 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds... 14-year-olds, I don't know what age range it really um, brackets to. They, they think of it as something for an older generation. And they use Instagram and Snapchat. Anyways, the typical photo montage begins for Natalie. And Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles comes on. Every single 13-year-old <laughs> knew every single word of that song. They were all singing along, and my mind was... I was standing next to my uncle, and I like I put my arm and sh- my hand on his shoulder, and I said, "Greg, this is this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they they make the most timeless music. The Beatles. Ever. It was c- every single thirteen-year-old knew the words to that song, and it was pretty crazy. Did so you, that was my. Did you sing along? It's one of it's one of my favorite songs. Period. Uh, George Harrison <laughs> composed it. One of the rare George Harrison compositions. Jake has been on a big Beatles kick. Been on a, I've they, been on a big Beatles kick ever they since just, they came out. They yeah, just came on the streaming, They right? just came on all the streaming services uh, on January 1st, which was huge and pretty exciting. I love the Beatles. I'm now going through all of their music chronologically, which is pretty fun. What's your favorite Beatles song? Not to just put you on the spot. I, I think it is Here Comes the Sun. It's a, it's a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. It really is. I agree. It's surprising. It's surprising me, though. Why is that? Or Twist and Shout, although I think <laughs> that's a cover. I believe that's a cover. Yeah. I, who did that song originally? Do we, you know? I'll, I'll look it up right now. Twist and My favorite is definitely Hey Jude. Also say. a great one. Although the ending really goes on for forever. Let's see. It's a, Twist and Shout is a 1961 song written by Phil Medley and Burt Burns. But it was covered by a lot of people. Covered by a lot of people. Also a popular bar mitzvah tune. Yeah, I think I've, I've never... I've only done karaoke in St. Louis. I always said if I do karaoke again in New York, that's my song. <laughs> Twist and shout. I think it would get the whole bar going. I really do. I think <laughs> it's a fun song that would really enthuse a lot of people. <laughs> but that's like you. That's a lot of effort. You have to dance and sing to that if you if you choose that. I mean, presumably, I'm at a bar. I'm drinking. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I'm thoughts. cool with it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well. 
I'm going to grab, uh, I guess, this pickle over here, eat the rest of this bagel, um, and we'll be right back with our recurring segment, Schmuck and Mensch of the Week. This is Schmear's The Deal. I had to sit on the runway for 40 minutes. Oh my God, really? What happened then? Did you fly through the air like a bird? Incredibly? Did you soar into the clouds impossibly? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight? And then land softly on giant tires that you couldn't even conceive how they fucking put air in them? Welcome back to Schmear's The Deal. We are at Bagel Boss at 15th and 1st. The Baus. The Baus. Uh, I'm Jake Seawalk. I'm here with Nick Feynman. And for those of you who haven't listened and are joining us for the first time, this is our recurring segment, Mensch and Schmuck of the Week. Let's. I think a Mensch is like a superhero. They're looking at him like, what a schmuck. This week, Jake is going to be doing the mensch. I'll be doing the schmuck. Jake, take it away. So this, I mean, this is very quick. My mensch of the week is a multi-talented individual by the name of Jamie Foxx. He's done some did, great did things you, this Did week. you read what he did? Please, tell he, me. He pulled a man out of a burning... Was it a man or a woman? <laughs> he pulled, pulled an individual out of a burning car. I believe it was a man. A man. That's what I thought also. Uh, out of a burning car and saved their life. Like an action movie. L- l- yeah, straight up. <laughs> He, uh, he he did it in like jogging clothes. He looked like he had just sprinted up there, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really much more to the story than that. I just think that it's a pretty cool act of heroism. In hypothetically, let's say you are in a burning car. You're you've something's happened. You've veered off the side of the road. You're crashed. You're a horrible hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> just listen. Just, just hypothetically, listen. if you're in a burning car. <laughs> Jamie Foxx comes out of nowhere, as he t- tends to do, I guess. Do you think he just roams around Hollywood looking to be a good guy? No, but I think he, he just roams right around Hollywood. <laughs> right place, You know, right one time. time I saw Gary Busey rollerblading, <laughs> rollerblading down the street in a full tracksuit. <laughs> That's amazing. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Did you try to snap a picture, or was it just like so it unbelievable? Was just, what do you do? Yeah, it was just whoop. <laughs> Anyways, that's my sh- that's my sorry. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't finish my hypothetical. Oh, all right. So, your horrible situation: a guy comes and saves you. Turns out it's Jamie Fox. What do you say? Just thank you. Honestly, doesn't it have to be more than that. It'd be. It would take an already surreal experience. Sorry. To just the next level. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> Craziest thing like, ever. Do you say, like, thank you, thank you, I loved your work in X movie? No, I think you just hug and get on your knees. Get on your way. Ki- <laughs> get on far away from feet. that car yeah. as possible. So, yeah, that's my mensch. All right, moving on to my schmuck. This guy's been a schmuck in the public for a long time, I would say. Anthony Weiner. Not a new schmuck, but there's a new documentary about yeah. his schmuckness coming out. This weekend, actually, it was bought. it's going to play at Sundance. Oh, fun. Which is pretty cool. So Anthony Weiner made multiple deals with the devil, but one of the, I guess, more... <laughs> am- <laughs> it's true, he did. One of the more... Uh, one way of saying it. Well, I guess... All right, let me give a little background. So Anthony Weiner, very, very popular congressman, very liberal, who was popular for giving long rants on, congr- on the congressional floor, 
which most people don't do. Most people just get in there, they read a statement so it's on the record, and they get out. Right. He would yell, he would scream, he would go on talk shows. Basically, he made himself, he made a lot of enemies. And yeah. so, if a person like that has any cracks, people come after him. Well, turns out he had a couple of skeletons in his closet. He was really into sexting, and specifically sending pictures of his junk places. Which, when you're a congressman, they're, they're better ideas. It's not a great look. <laughs> no, literally not a great look. <laughs> so in 2011, he tweeted out a picture of his junk by accident, claimed he was hacked. It all went downhill from there. Right. Ha- the, the amazing... By accident, please. <laughs> he wanted the world to see it. It was supposed to be a direct... Spare me. <laughs> anyway, he sort of he went out of the public eye and came back in the mayor's campaign a couple of years ago or a year ago. And actually had a big following. He was in first place at one point, And then it came out that he was still sexting people. And this only really matters now because his wife, Huma Abedin, is Hillary's top advisor and aide. And right. has been forever. And Hillary has enough, in this political race, Hillary has enough controversy around her. So, uh, Wiener, when he was running, <laughs> which is, by the way, still an amazing last name for this whole situation. I don't think that's, I still don't think that's pointed out enough. John Oliver really went after it a couple of years ago, but. He's the man. John Oliver? Yeah, I really like John Oliver. Yeah, he's a great guy. Sorry. No, please. We, di- we digress. He's definitely a mensch, I will say. But back to the schmuck. Anthony Wiener basically made another deal with the devil when he was running for mayor, which is he decided he would let someone film the entire campaign in response for cheap ads they would allow him to they would allow him to use their footage so he basically made this deal with the devil and then things went really south and now it's all going to come out we're going to see exactly what happened and how it went down and i'm really excited and what a shock. i think it's going to be a pretty exciting movie so yeah it debuts at, at sundance and uh the hillary campaign is i'm sure freaking out a little bit yeah so speaking of movies right please continue for the next seven weeks I believe it is we'll be not previewing but reviewing one of the best picture contenders nominees and one week we'll have to do two since there are eight of them and so we'll finish them all in time for the Oscars we'll finish them all in time for the Oscars so this week we'll be talking about a movie that Nick and I actually saw together yesterday I had a great time thank you for fun. thank you for joining me East Village Cinemas right East Village Cinemas great uh great little movie theater for those of you that and for who's ever listening they may have never even met jake in person but for those of you who've never seen a movie with jake it's a pretty amazing experience he's a lot of is it yes it is it's a lot of movie you can i can't tell if i'm flattered or insulted no you shouldn't be insulted you should be flattered here's what so jake has a lot of movie experience and which is one of the reasons why we're doing this segment but what <laughs> he watches a movie sort of like i critique TV news, which I do for a living. Like I sit back, I have popcorn. I'm just a slob at the movie theater. I'm like, I look like a sloth. Jake is like sitting up. He's changing positions. He's stroking his chin. He's I always change. I'm never comfortable in a movie theater. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like the most comfortable place on earth. Yeah, I don't know. It's not that I'm uncomfortable. It's that I'm never comfortable. There's a big difference. <laughs> what is the difference with that? Oh, there's a huge difference. It's Discomfort is... I never experienced discomfort. I feel like I'm really sidetracking. I want to get to the movie. No, no. I want to hear the end of it. You've never experienced It's really discomfort. impossible for me to vocalize, though. But I think movie theaters are the most comfortable place in the world. They have comfy chairs. Some are. Food. Have you ever been to the Lincoln Center movie theater? Is it really? It's un- so nice. Oh, is it's, it like really plush seats? Oh, they're so plush. 
That's the place where you can, where you have to reserve what seat. You're yeah, on. you reserve your seats ahead of time. Which, by the way, is the norm in L.A. Every theater in L.A. you have to reserve but your L- seat. But L.A. movies are like Broadway. It's the same. It is. Same it, thing. You're exactly right. It's a very similar concept. Okay, moving so on to Bridge of Spies. On a Bridge of Spies, I don't think either of us particularly liked it. Right? It was a it was a good it was movie fine. conception. Uh, there were right. there were problems with it. All right, so let's start with those. I mean, what did, let's start with what we liked. I thought Tom Hanks was great. I thought Tom Hanks was great. I thought Mark Rylance was... Mark Rylance was unbelievable. He was plays the really Soviet good. spy. Yeah, so I think that that pretty much is the beginning and also pretty close to the end of our compliments <laughs> of our compl- for it. I will say I, li- I really liked the way they made, at the beginning of the movie, the way they made old Brooklyn look really cool. Because I'm pretty sure it was kind of a shithole, and they made yeah. it look really cool. I don't disagree with that. At I the th- beginning, the sets got. I bad thought afterwards. that the set design, by and large, was really gimmicky, and I agree. Really, I don't want to say it took a, oh, it took away from the rest of the film, but it certainly didn't add anything well, and an opportunity to do a lot of that. What did you say yesterday? You said you felt like you were watching something watching, on a set. Right. right. It, it felt like I was watching something. So so this is... Steven Spielberg makes two kinds of movies. And we, we talked about this yesterday also. He makes... He makes movies that either A, are like teenage adventure movies right. like Jur- Jurassic Park or E.T. E. or... The classics. Go- the classics. Cl- classics, exactly. Or he makes historical dramas like Lincoln or <laughs> Bridge of Spies. And I tend to find the latter of those two immensely boring and Im- way too long. Too long and re- more than anything tonally incorrect. And what che- do you mean like by that? cheesy. I I think like his cheesy tones work really well in something like in something like Jurassic Park or ET ET or AI something like that. And I don't think they work in a movie like this. Um, Very interesting. I mean, there was like that one line where he kept saying, oh, "Would, would Mark, it help?" Mark Rylance. Yeah, yeah like, come on. Like the first time it was, we're talking it was about a Soviet then, spy. Like we don't need to be hearing a gimmicky line repeated over and over again for comedic timing. So that was that's a big problem that I have with Spielberg in his historical dramas, and. I also just and going back to it, I found the, the the set design, the production design, design like very very alarmingly poor. The camera work was pretty obvious, I thought. And I honestly thought, and I hate to rain on the Coen Brothers parade, but I thought the script was pretty weak. And they I, we didn't know they wrote it until <laughs> I didn't until realize they wrote it, um, which is probably pretty bad on me. Um, but I think we both agreed that the movie started pretty slow really started to pick up and then literally went nowhere for an hour and a half. I thought that was really problematic. I I have and to I, point I have to point out a couple of conceptual points. It, so it it took a lot of time but they really didn't span many days. It no, was it, it spanned a it felt like I was stuck it was like groundhog day. I was stuck in one or a couple of really long days in which Tom Hanks goes from being... I don't think this is any spoilers. Basically, for an hour and a half, it's Tom Hanks wants to trade one prisoner of war. Or not prisoner of war, but he wants to trade one one captive for two captives, and they'll only give him one. (laughs) And that's... That's the whole... That's basically the the entire movie, and it's just him trying to negotiate that. And... But my... 
the thing is, that's how does he get there? Is the question. He starts as an insurance lawyer and he ends up negotiating on behalf of the United States of America right, which, in which, the Cold War. Which is going back to what you said at the very beginning of the segment. Conceptually, a good idea. I thought. I think it's interesting. But they didn't. They didn't sell it though. They didn't. You're, you're not wrong. And I think that's one of the problems, though, we have now with these great shows that are available on Netflix or anywhere that 10 episodes, you can build character development. You don't. It's very different when you only have two hours. And I, I thought that really hurt this It situation. used to be that creating a character on television was more difficult than creating a character or story. Why? TV wasn't as big of a medium, right? And there weren't as good of writers. The, there weren't. It's not that there weren't as good of writers. It's that a lot of them didn't focus on TV, and they were they were focused on features. And also, a lot of networks, not networks, cable companies. Or that's not even right. Channels like TNT. Well, they just AMC, didn't invest. They didn't invest in it. They didn't invest in it, or or things like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. None of that existed. And so there just wasn't as nearly as much of an outlet. And so and it was really hard to do something like that on NBC or ABC or CBS or Fox. And now it's significantly easier we're to in do the golden it. Age. And I haven't even mentioned HBO or Showtime we're, or Stars. We're sort of in the golden age We're of very much in the golden age. Well, I think. I think we are. I think we'll get to even more of a golden I age, agree. though. I think that we haven't even peaked. And that's a totally separate but, but discussion. But a lot of the best writers in the U.S. right now are becoming TV writers, not necessarily novelists. You're, you're definitely right and about that's that. That's the first and time that's ever happened. And also, it's now easier to tell a story because more talented actors and directors are willing to work in TV as a medium as opposed to film, which it used to be not the case. It used to be, if, if you start, if you do a film, t- like, TV even is, getting pitched with a TV show is like an insult, and that's no longer the case. Um, and I, so let's go back to, Brid- going back to Bridge of Spies, sure. I think that they just didn't they didn't tell a full story or it took too long. it could it could have been 40 minutes they did tell a full story it, it just was really rushed and really slowed down at different pace at different places and i know you took issue with the two side characters that just kind of get brought up on a whim and then there's no backstory off you don't you don't have a reason to care about that. so so well, out, of, out of 10 10 stars i'd give it a i'd give it a seven i thought it was good it was good, but it wasn't. I don't. And give it six stars. This is, and we'll talk about this further. But this is another movie that I don't think is better than Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, I and, agree. And they're you now just call it Straight Out of Straight Compton. Straight Outta. I'm a white guy. <laughs> what do you want from me? I do what I can. <laughs> Wait, I have one question. That's before. like calling him Little Wayne. <laughs> little, little. Wait, I have a, I have one question before we before we go to break, about Tom Hanks. Do you think he plays <clears throat> the same character? Yes. Now? He plays. It's sort of like this guy that you know he's smart, but he has like a little bit of comedy. He's important, but he's still down to earth. It's it's getting a little old to me. I love him. I but agree. I, I totally agree. I'm right. not going to disagree with you. No. All right. Well, I thought that would be a <laughs> I thought that would be something we might disagree on. No, I, just, I don't disagree. So uh, with that, we'll go to break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about we'll be talking about the Flint water problems, which are pretty devastating. Yeah. We'll be right back. This is Schmears the deal. <laughs> There's a guy from Nestle that doesn't think water is a human right. I mean, that guy should be hunt down and shot, yeah. right? And they're gonna sit and just talk about it, talking about all the, uh, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, we gotta get America back to work. It's like, dude, this guy wants to own the rain. 
Welcome back to Schmears the Deal. I'm Nick Feynman. Jake Seawalk still sitting here. We still are at, here. We are at Bagel Boss here on 15th and 1st Avenue. Great bagel. We are done. We've moved on to the dessert portion of our show, which we don't normally do. No, I think that this is we have a, a phenomenal tradition, though. <laughs> we have a wonderful humintaschen sitting on our table right now, which we'll break into throughout this segment. When when is Purim? What is it like? February? March? Up? I have no idea. I think it's I think it's spring. I don't even. Get it. <laughs> we don't. <need> <laughs> <laughs> it's not a holiday. We're eating the humintaschen now. Holiday. So I any, celebrate if as any outside of eating humintaschen. It's a beautiful. Uh, do you pronounce it apricot or apricot? It's I've, I've heard it pronounced differently depending on the. It's like I aunt say apricot, and. But I say apricot also. Apricot I've, I've heard is apricot. A British pronunciation. That would be like if I went around and said basil, or basil. 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 I, basil. I feel like I was, I was like, for a second. I was thinking to myself. <laughs> Did you think your whole world was what wrong? is what is different about that? So all right. I'm I I break you, you choose. Sure. Deal. Although it's a triangle, I don't know. Just <laughs> go for it. Ooh. All right. Here. Cheers. You got kind of screwed on the A filling. little bit. Here, get some, get some I'm spreading. <laughs> there, take that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So our final segment today is mm. on a more serious to- topic like we sort of like to do on our final segments. It's on what's going on in Flint, Michigan right now. Mm. So, Jake, have you been looking into this at all? I'm... I'll give a little bit of a background, but is this something that you've seen in the news? It's been all over the place a little bit, at least recently. Yeah, I've been paying attention to it. So here's the deal. In Schmier's the deal. In 2013, Flint, Michigan, which is a poor, poor, predominantly non-white suburb in Detroit. It's closer to Lansing than it is than it is to Detroit. Sorry. So it's more, it's in Michigan in general. In 2013, they decided they were going to switch their water source. Sorry to correct. I just want to make sure we're right. Was it 2013 or 2014? They made the decision in 2013. They changed it in 2014. There you go. So in 2013, in 2013, thank you, though, for fact-checking me. In 2013, they made a decision to switch their water source from Lake Lake Huron to the Flint River. The Flint River is is not a very clean river, to say the least. But that actually wasn't the problem. So in 2014, they switched it. Right. They didn't. But whoever decided to, the engineers, it's the state was in charge of it, they didn't treat the water. I don't understand how you can be an engineer and not treat the water. Anyway, water is inherently corrosive. So if you were to leave it in a barrel or somewhere it would and just leave it, it there, eventually eat away. it would ve- eventually eat away. So you have to treat it. People treat it with phosphates before they put it through pipes. Otherwise, it takes whatever's in the pipes with it. Well, they didn't do that. So for a year, there was a very high lead concentration there's a very high lead concentration in Flint, Michigan. At the beginning of 2015, the government realized that there was this concentration, or preliminary tests came back, parts of the government, but they didn't really tell anyone. And people continue to drink it. Young kids, lead is obviously it's not very that they bad for you. Didn't tell anyone. So they basically just the lied pe- about it. Well, the pe- and no, denied it. That's not the, true. The, the people, g- the people that saw it, the people that saw it, didn't. It did not get to the higher levels where it needed to be. Okay. People started complaining about the water. They started feeling sick. It took until this fall, fall of 2015, almost a year and a half later, for these people's voices to start getting heard. And this is so. Rick Snyder, finally, who's the governor, finally admitted it. He's been under a lot of fire recently, completely understandably, but. It took until October for them to switch back to the original source. Yeah. And the water is still not drinkable. That's a year and a half. Uh, and 
I'll let Jake give Jake let Jake give some of his opinions, but there are a number of very well, upsetting parts. And of correct this, me though. if I'm wrong, but it basically took this guy, Mark Edwards, who is an engineering professor and an expert on municipal water from Virginia Tech. It basically took him and his team coming in and being like, "Listen, this is a huge problem for anything to happen." Yeah. It it sounds like without him intervening. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it'd still be a problem. It would still be a problem, though, for a couple of reasons. The first is actually it's very hard to test for lead. So lead only stays in, they can only do a blood test for lead. I don't, Jake, what <laughs> I just ate your half of the homicide <laughs> action. Please, enjoy. So when you test for lead, it only stays in your blood for 30 days. So you can test that you had it in your blood, but if kids under six have any lead exposure, that is permanent damage to them. And, and they reports think are saying that the children with lead in their blood has tripled. Correct. And not only, but some reports saying doubled, some reports saying tripled. The governor came out last night and said they think a hundred kids have been affected. I think it has to be way more than that. That's the kids they only know that have tested positive. So it has to be. Well, and then there's a a whole. Well, and then there's the Legionnaires right. aspect. I don't that's know if that's what you're about to talk about. Yeah. So, 10 people since they made the switch died from Legionnaires disease. They haven't officially connected it yet, but scientists think it is connected. So, basically, it's a huge, it was a huge, huge mess up on the part of the Michigan government and the local Flint authorities. There's a new mayor who ran completely on getting the water clean and getting this out of the public, and it's also become a big part of the presidential race. But I think I just want to take a step back and talk about talk about the bigger issue here. And the bigger issue is that clean water, to me, isn't or clean water or basic amenities that the United States is set on and is sort of built on, which is not being a third world country, frankly. It's that's see that that's exact what you just said is a, it's a huge aspect. Of it. It, it's also like come on, it's twenty it's twenty sixteen twenty sixteen in America. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's it, insane. It, it And going back to the very, like, how does something like this happen? Well, here's how it, here's how it happens. It's a poor, it's a poor suburb that it never, it did not, I'm sorry, it did not become a big thing. It is a I poor. I know, but that, I don't think that's an excuse. No, there are other poor suburbs. Absolutely. It's not, it's not an excuse, but, but this would have been in the news immediately if this was Westchester, if this was just outside St. Louis in a prominent suburb, if this was oh, where of, I grew up course. in D.C. And that's what's so frustrating to me about this and frustrating in the fact that it's become political on either end. But yeah. I don't even, I don't think that that's really even what I'm talking about. It's not about whether or not it hit the news. It's, pardon me, it's that something like this could happen. Could happen. Not even, not even. It's that something like this did happen, and disp- whether or not it was a poor, rich, no matter what suburb, very readily preventable, and it was basically just, hey, we're gonna kind of throw this off to the side, spend money elsewhere, and see what happens. Is kind of, yeah. They switched back in October, but <coughs> again, still the water's not drinkable, and they're. They claim that if they pump enough of the phosphate-filled water now, it'll recoat the pipes, and it will stop being an issue. But why? And it would take, I think, millions, if not billions, of dollars to replace the pipes. But I think you have to. 
These people have been through hell, and they shouldn't have to wait six months in order to get clean drinking water. So basically what they're doing is they're putting a Band-Aid on it. They're giving them, they're giving them bottles of water. They're giving them filters, which some people claim work. Some people claim don't. But it's a basic livable right that it's amazing. Not only, I agree, not only that this happened in 2016 and that no one fixed it immediately, but at the same time that they haven't done any of the overarching things that they need to do in order to stop it. Yeah. So I needed to go on a little bit of a I rant. think, it's but... And, and my readings could be wrong. I don't think they are. But, and this is what's the most alarming aspect of it to me where it's... It's, I, I can't even wrap my mind around it, is that it seems like while all of this was going on, people knew about what the water situation. Everyone was well aware. And the Michigan Department of Health has made like cra- crazy claims and mayors and governors have all said, well, we, think it's o- we still think it's okay, even though they ha- have pretty direct evidence that it what wasn't to a very large degree and it brings up a point that i think is starting to become more seeable i don't really know if that's a word if you look at stories like this season one of serial or the jinx or making a murderer where all these like these really crazy stories are being uncovered, I think is a pretty direct result of the quote-unquote information age. And access to anything Access on the to anything at on the time. internet, access to so much information, and it's the stuff's been going on for a long time. <laughs> it's crazy the degree to which people aren't held accountable. And I agree. So, and so here's my question for you. And the is, governor hasn't stepped out. Do you think he's going to. that and this is part of a larger discussion probably that we can talk about on a later date, but just to get the ball rolling, do you think access to basically any information is a good thing, or do you think that to a degree ignorance is bliss? Well, if it's something like this where I have a young child and they're of course. forever ruining their life potentially by drinking something. But let's talk about it on a broader scale, not this specifically. But, but, it, but it applies here. I think, I think in some ways ignorance is bliss. And I think you see, you see that a lot with medical testing and stuff that either gene testing that says you might get cancer. People change their whole lives based on that. I mean, that's good. And some people would want to know. Some people wouldn't. You also have situations you also have situations, though, where you learn about something there's nothing you could deal with, either right. either around you or somewhere else in the country. I personally would rather know, but I also work in a business where knowing is kind of my business. Right. Uh, and so, so, try and put your, so try and remove yourself from that a little bit. I think it's very difficult. I think that, especially for you, it's difficult. I tried to. It, it's such a hard dilemma because you either it's basically one of those things where you either get all of it or you get none of it either you pay attention to the news or you don't it's right. it's pretty hard to selectively inhale the news if that makes sense or just information in general or yeah, exactly could be on twitter or social media information right it's kind of like you either are or you are not and it's something that i've been it's a great question i've been struggling with it a lot because this is something where 
it's a pretty obvious case of knowledge being a boon. But there are, as you mentioned, I think more instances where I'd rather just not know about it. About like this? What do you mean, though? Like, what instance would you be okay not knowing? Because this, it it was outrageous that people knew. I don't know. Something like something like bacon causing cancer or steak (laughs) causing. Just like I want to live my fucking life. Right. You know. Well, that's that's very different from this. But that's an interesting point that and sort of what I was getting to that people change their whole lives once they get a potential diagnosis now versus versus just living. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to just. It's harder for me to point out the counters where. I would rather not know because I think there are just so many um, more of them. I think that they're more minor also than the the serious instances. I will say, though, I think people do really (coughs) freak out nowadays about things they sort of don't have control over. To such a wildly high degree. And it's, I mean, look at even, okay, this weekend, and I guess we'll talk about it a little more later, but this weekend there's going to be a huge snowstorm on the East Coast, and people are freaking out. Freaking out. Freaking out. Would you rather... Is that a situation where you'd rather just not know and get hit? That puts people's lives at risk. Yeah. You'd rather the government knows and you don't have to deal with it. Exactly. Um, It's like I had this conversation with a buddy of mine about the St. Louis Cardinals yesterday. We were talking about sabermetrics. (laughs) For people that don't know what that is. It's advanced stats. Advanced statistics that has taken over baseball. He breaks down everything. To, with advanced stats, he's always looking at projections and how a pl- what a player's true talent is versus how they actually performed, and which is insane, by the way. I think just let me watch. I just want to watch baseball. <laughs> I don't care. I just want to watch where, baseball. Where were the simple days? Where yeah, I just want to go. But at the same time, I want to go I, home, drink a Budweiser, <laughs> and watch the Cardinals play a game. What like, the, what's so hard about? <laughs> like I don't get it. I just don't get it. One of the best parts of but sports nowadays that was watching like is getting commentary on Twitter right away when something happens. Yeah, I and, think. But and this is going back to what you just said. I want my GM looking at the at the sabermetrics. <laughs> but I don't want to give a shit. <laughs> but I don't want to care. So that's my two cents, and it, right. it comes back all full circle to the, to the Flint situation. But either way, our hearts go out to the people of Flint. I yeah, mean, big I think time. It's, it's horrible, and I really hope the one thing I was trying to say earlier, which we'll just wrap up with this before our final segment, I really hope that this does not get too politicized because it's not a political thing. Just fix it. it yeah, just fix it. It doesn't matter it's if you're simple. Republican, Democrat, Independent. Just get it done. It I totally matter. agree. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. All right, and with that, uh, let's move on to the final toast. Who are you final toasting? I'm fine. speaking. Well, you brought up St. Louis. I'm gonna final toast in sadness to downtown St. Louis. So Jake, for those of you who don't know, Jake is from St. Louis. He's drawing a tear on his face. I went to school in St. Louis and sort of fell in love with the place. And downtown St. Louis is having a really hard time. A number of famous. I think that that's actually not necessarily the really case, okay. Well, you, you could give a better perspective. But from what I can tell, a lot of the places we went to when we were in school closing down a lot of the more local places so our final just a quick background they built this big bar complex called ballpark, uh, village. ballpark village which is great but it also sucks away the sort of cultured old i guess some people would say shitty bars in downtown which i like and uh wash you sort of mourning this week or cheering the death of harry's which was an old nightclub which first is off of let's have a one second moment of silence for harry's moving on <laughs> It's 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 not it's honestly for Saint the city of Saint Louis not a bad thing. It's for the people that 
care about places like Harry's or Joe Buck's or Mike Shannon's that, that are it's, all kind of, it's honestly just a transfer of money. It's not a loss of money. <laughs> but it's being transferred to Ballpark Village, which, which is, is, I think, fine. You're I, okay. With, I mean, yeah, I'm but totally there are okay outsiders from this from the city, right? Is that Ballpark Ballpark Village? Aren't the people that built it from Kansas City? Who cares? Okay, it, all, right. it, all the money goes. I guess that's like, true. There's still it's tax being money spent in St. Louis. All the tax money is going to the city. It doesn't make a difference. I think it's, it's for me, it's a good thing because it adds more to what's going on around the stadium, which is what I care about. So, honestly, it, it for, first off. It's a bummer that all these places are closing. They have a lot of... Uh, we toast to you. We, we toast to you. Um, a lot of personality, a lot of those places. I'm going to just toast... Uh, we just talked about it. The city of New York going to get blasted with snow this weekend. Um, rest in peace, New York, D.C. Rest in peace, New York. And D.C. D.C.'s going to get crushed. D.C.'s going to get crushed even more. So that's my final toast. Amy Howard by salt. Those are my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And that's uh, it for us. Like we always say, we will do better next week. And stay toasty out there. Schmier's The Deal is brought to you this week by Bagel Boss, located at 15th and 1st in the East Village of Manhattan, and is produced by Nick Feynman and Jacob Seawalk in association with Team Panther Productions, with a special thanks to Louis C.K. and Bill Burr. For more information, please visit schmearsthedeal.com.